Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Tackle Dropdown edition of the Wrestle Alliance podcast. I am your host, Agent Frost, along with my tag team partner, the one, the only, Big Daddy D. Hello, how's it going? So tonight's card goes advertised. We're going to talk about this week in wrestling and have our predictions for Survivor Series 2020, the 30 years of Undertaker. Yeah, I can't believe his announcement that he made. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that as well as Big Deet's thoughts about the Undertaker's career, which will be our main event. So... We could just do that as an entire podcast. Well, we're going to give it its own segment because the pre-show is going to be pretty, pretty short. So let's get let's get to it guys. Pre-show coming up next. Welcome to the pre-show everybody. Breaking news. Um Georgia has gone democrat. If you're going political, that's the all the, that's all the political news I'm going to give you. Because as Big D said, no political. As far as other news goes, um, if you're a fan of the NBA, the draft happened two days ago, and um, some big names that got drafted. So for the first pick, you had, hold on, here we go, I gotta pull it up here. Yes, Anthony Edwards went to Minnesota. James Wiseman went to the Warriors. That's great. They get a they get a solid big man, and Ed, Anthony Edwards is a combo guard. So I think him and D'Angelo Russell could be a great backcourt for the Timberwolves. Lamelo Ball joins the Hornets. That's going to be interesting to see because they have Devonte Graham and Terry Rozier running point. So they're going to have Lamelo at shooting guard. Seems like it, right? Yeah. Cavaliers got Isaac Okoro. So small forward. Because, I don't know, they, they need all the help they can get. The Knicks got Obi Topin. Pistons got Killian Hayes. And uh, I forgot, I skipped one. The Bulls got Patrick Williams. But it's been kind of overshadowed by. A lot of trades going on in the NBA. One of them being Drew Holiday going to the Milwaukee Bucks. So that's going to be pretty nice for the Milwaukee Bucks to get a, a point guard who is statistically better than Eric Bledsoe. Probably and possibly, you know, more durable, let's be honest. And uh, Chris Paul going to Phoenix. What did you think about that? He's just looking for teams to play with right now. Like, honestly, I think it favors Devin Booker very well because he finally has that veteran on that team. And if you look at Paul's, stat, Paul's record, he really helps big men. Like, if you. Like, that is true, he does. Yeah, because, like, David West became an all star, DeAndre Jordan became a beast. So, 
I think this is going to be a positive for one DeAndre Ayton. Hopefully I said his name right. Um, really? The Bulls pick a center? Huh. Yeah. Well, He's only 6'7", though. Well, it beats – well, Wendell Carter Jr., their, their current center is 6'9". So I think they can move him to the fourth spot if um, Laurie Markkinen's not playing well. I mean, he averaged 16, 10, 16 and 10, shot 40% from the three-point line over in a career average 80% free throw. So, I mean, he's run-of-the-mill. True. We'll see how he develops. And also for the Lakers, uh, they got Dennis Schroeder at point guard. So they actually got a true point guard and not having LeBron James run point because it that's just ridiculous. Interesting. Hopefully they bring back Rondo because Rondo actually helped them out, especially in the playoffs because – Say what you say. Say what you want to say about that man. He he goes into another gear come playoff season. He does. So um, Boston took a point guard from Israel. That's awesome. That name is Yam Madar. Speaking of Boston, um, Gordon Hayward opted out of his contract and is now becoming a free agent. I don't know if they are going to get – I don't know if he's going to get anywhere near 30 mil because homie's been injury prone. His stock is so low that he came off the bench. And, yeah, it's just after that after that ankle injury, he's just not been the same guy. And, yeah. you, know, an, you know, ankles can make or break you, no pun intended. Yeah, especially in that league. Yeah. So, do you think James Harden... So, here's a rumor. Do you think James Harden is going to Brooklyn? And if so, due to Kyrie's disdain for James Harden, do you think Kyrie might be traded in the process? I think if it happens, it'll be a one-for-one. Okay. I mean, because Kyrie can't stand him. If Brooklyn wants him, they're going to trade Kyrie. That'll be interesting. That'll be Kyrie's uh, third team in three years, which is not good. Well, it's not good, yes, but at the same time, I think he'd do well out west with with that current Houston squad. Ooh, I. Well, if that's the case, Houston really needs to revamp their roster. I would say go after Ennis Cantor, but the Blazers got him back. Uh, Mason Plumley goes to the Pistons, so that's a good pickup at center. So I'm also looking at college stuff, just seeing what the games are this weekend. Ah, uh, yes. Sorry, guys, about the segment that has been on delay. Big D's predictions. It will come back, come headlock and hip toss. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so sad. There's four games postponed out of the top 25 players, well, top 25 teams. There's four postponed and one canceled. Oh, dang it, COVID. So you've got uh, Marshall, 
Marshall, Texas, Texas A&M, and Miami are postponed. Uh-huh. And the Louisville game is canceled. Jeez. Sorry, not Louisville, Louisiana. Okay. And UCF is actually uh, an underdog for the first time in, like, four years. <laughs> no, they play Cincinnati. It's going to be the biggest test of the season for the Knights. All right, if we go. can pull it off, it's going to piss a lot of people off. I bet. So, another news. Um, if you guys have Disney+, Plus, which I think some of you guys have, uh, The Mandalorian Season 2, um, Big D, have you been... I was about to say, like, um, don't give any spoilers, but give us your thoughts so far. Um, I'm really liking the character progressions and uh, the Baby Yoda talks. <laughs> More like baby cooing. Okay. Awesome to hear. And... Um... Let's see. Anything? Any other news going on and going on currently, like in terms of current events? Anything? Um, yeah. No, not really. All right. Well, I'll just end it off with this uh, superstar shoutouts. Sorry, there's, there wasn't a lot on the pre-show, but unless you're unless we're talking about coronavirus, is not much except the fact that there is a vaccine. In the works, that's been going around. They're just trying to find a way to distribute it. More information, just check your local news. So, superstar shout-outs. Uh, shout-outs to our normal contingent. Chris Van Vliet. Shout-outs to Figure Four Online. Brian, Vinny, Craig, and Granny. And Chris, uh, Mike Sempervivi, not Chris Sempervivi. Um, shout-outs to the boys of OSW. Christian Miracle. Um... Brian Zane from Wrestling with Regret. Shoutouts to people at Deadlock, Johnny, Tony Pizza Guy, CM Pulse, and New Legacy Inc. You got any shoutouts on your end? Well, more of a rest in peace than a shoutout. Okay. Uh, rest in peace to Kirby Morrow. Name may not sound familiar, but for. The uh, otakus and anime lovers, he's the English voice of Goku, Cyclops, and was also an Inuyasha. Wow. He passed away earlier this morning. Oh, that sucks. Yep, so uh, any ideas for uh, second season, or second or third season of Dragon Ball Super just went out the window? Yeah, because it's going to be weird finding another voice actor. Like that. That's iconic like that. I think that like, the voice the voice is understandable. Like they'll they will be able to find somebody with the voice. It's gonna be the screaming, his power ups. Yeah, cause he made Goku. Well the English yes, and with with English speakers uh, dubbed, yes, he's Goku, period. Yes. Agreed. But I think that if they, if they find somebody to redo the voice, they can always just rehash other power-ups. Mm-hmm. 
but it, it is a sad day for anime fans. Yeah, most definitely. So let's transition into something that we all know about. Wrestling. This week in wrestling, uh, to be exact. So what happened on Impact? Well, let's see. We had the a farewell for the... Um, it was a send-off for the Rascals. They had their final match on Impact. We also had... Eric Young with his new bodyguard, so to speak. Like this, like this guy just looks homeless. Like he's just a random dude with a stash. Like if you ever get a look at it, guys. What? You're never really expecting it. It's just weird. It's so freaking weird. Uh, shout out to Bleacher Reports, by the way, for these uh, for these results. We had a no disqualification match. Willie Mack taking on Moose. Uh, Moose defeated Mack with a TKO. Um, let's see. He taunted Rich Swan after the match in between beating up his best friend, and should serve as the perfect. And um, so he's pretty much going to be built up as the next cont- uh, contender for the Impact World Championship. Speaking of the Impact... Oh, sorry, that's the not guys, the heavyweight championship. The guy's name is Joe Doring, who literally looks like every freaking construction worker off the street. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, man. All he need is all he need is a freaking Bob the Builder hat, and he'll be the next. Uh, what is it? What's that band? What's that? What band played YMCA? Village people. Yeah, he'll be one of the village people. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But yes, we had Suicide taking on Geo in an actually pretty decent match. Crazy Steve taking on Brian Myers. Daniel Dashwood and Alicia, weird tag team, taking on Havoc, Havoc and Nevea. And you all know who won that. The two beasts. Uh-huh. Speaking of beasts, we had Hernandez taking on Falaba. And. The less said yeah, about. So Go ahead. What's this whole segment of wrestling wrestlers court segment? They're actually going to show a wrestlers court segment. Yeah, um, there's been quite a few actually, so hopefully this one is actually good. If not, then I'm gonna be disappointed. Right. <laughs> so we had Rich Juan and Trey Miguel taking on. Wentz and Dez. So Trey Miguel's going is fighting against his own team. I guess. I mean, it was a great send off. Swan and Miguel actually got the victory, and then um, Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan actually jumped the baby faces backstage, sending a message to Swan. So next week you got Swan versus Shamrock. Uh, Rich Swan 
I hope that leg is fully healed, brother, because Ken is going for that ankle. Yeah, you know he's going to have that ankle lock. Right. He won't be dancing anymore. No more moonwalks. He'll be uh, just backing up in his wheelchair. <laughs> He'll figure out a way to moonwalk the chair. Yeah, moonwalk or just pop a wheelie and going backwards. Right. Oh, or just have like his own personalized ECV. So NXT, what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. We had a return. And his name is Finn Balor. Yes, Finn Balor returned. Uh, cut a pretty good promo. Got interrupted by Pat McAfee and his posse. Saying that he should give the belt over to him. We had a great match between uh, Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai, which Io won. So hopefully this is uh, Rhea Ripley's send-off to the main roster. I think they could use her. We had the weakest match on the card, Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis. It was a blindfold match, which turned into a regular match, so whatever. We had Candice Array and Indy Hartwell taking on Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. Uh, Kushida taking on Arturo Ruas. I thought Arturo was on the main roster. Did I miss something? Um, no, I think Arturo is with 205. Interesting. Tony Storm and Ember Moon defeated uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. That's kind of a shock. Yeah, but it's but they're actually um, setting up for War Games. Hence the two the two tag matches that happened tonight in the women's division are setting up for War Games, which is in December. So, yes, we are getting our war games. So, uh, I'm looking – the women's match – the women's war games match is going to be good. I'm not looking forward to the men's war game. We don't know who's the fifth man yet. It's going to be four on four. Regal already said it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, because Regal – the whole segment was – Undisputed Era came out, beat the crap out of the other four. Right. They're fighting – Guys backstage come out and break it up. Regal just comes out looking gaddy pissed off. Right. And he goes, we have eight wrestlers, two teams of four. There's only one thing. There's only one way that this can be settled. And he walks and looks at all, all eight of the competitors and goes, war games. Again. I mean, Con, I understand that there's very few four-man squads, but I think you can piece somebody together and not keep using the freaking Undisputed Era. <laughs> right? Like, we're, like, well, they had the opportunity, but they blew it. Thank you, Black Wednesday, when you got rid of the club. Yeah, but I think, although the teaser that Finn put out I'm really digging that teaser he put out on his Instagram. Yeah. Uh, bringing the club back, but only being a three-man squad. That'll be interesting to see who he's going to put in the club. Well, the teaser was him, AJ, 
and Cole. Ooh. Well, yeah, because Adam Cole is Adam Cole is a former Bullet Club member. That was an, uh, it's not. It's not just. It's not that he's just a former Bullet Club member. He's a of the BC. Okay. Remember, all three of them are former leaders of the Bullet Club. That's that's that is true. I mean, because if you look at it. AJ Styles is the reason why Finn left the Bullet Club. Well, yeah, because it was because originally I think it was Carl Anderson. And, no, it, no, it was um, it was Finn who started it, and then AJ took over after. It was Finn. Yeah, it was Finn, Carl, and uh, Bella Fale. Yeah, and um, t- they were the, and then they're the OGs. T- and then Tonga showed up as well. Yeah, and then Tama uh, Tonga Tongaloa. Yep. And then um, they brought in. I think Gallows was next. Gallows came in. And then um, oh god, uh, switch not Switchblade. No, Switchblade was one of the last 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 people to show up. The Japanese guy. I know to the, the Tokyo Playboy. That Tokyo dude. Playboy. Jeez. Actually, we can look it up right now since uh, I'm a I'm a purist. I think I think I've clarified that throughout the past what three years of doing this show. So. Yeah. Bullet Club members. Shout outs to Wiki Wand. Yep. So. Let's see who. Let's let's check out the history here. Um, let's see. It started with Finn, who was Prince Devitt, and Bad Luck Fale. And then you added Carl Anderson, then Tamatanga, then um, Doc Gallows, then AJ Styles, who became leader afterwards. And then um, the Japanese star we were talking about is Yujiro Takahashi. Sorry if I uh, butchered that. Takahashi. Takahashi. Then you had Cody Hall for a spare for a brief period of time. Then Kenny Omega. Then Tonga Loa, hence the Gorillas of Destiny. Then Adam Cole. Then you have Cody, Marty Skrull, um, Taji Ishimori, Jay White. Afterwards, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting the Young Bucks. Who were also who were also the, yeah, the Bucks. who were also originals, but you know they weren't. Besides them being in a Bullet Club, they weren't really big in Japan. That's what a lot of people don't get. No, they were not. But yeah. So that is the history of the Bullet Club right now. And also shouts to Jeto, who's still. Uh, who's actually part of the Bullet Club, and still going. Good grief. Yeah, so members, total members, they've had 41 members. Yep. So you've had, and these are in alphabetical, so don't worry about, oh, well, you said he was first. No, this is alphabetical. So you have Carl Anderson, Stephen Amell, 
aka the Green Arrow. Uh, Bad Luck Fale, Finn Balor, Captain New Japan. Captain fucking New Japan? Um, uh, Adam Cole, Le Commandant, Robbie Eagles. Oh, gosh. Evil. Yep, Evil. Gallus, uh, Luke Gallows, Guido. Jetto, I think. Uh, Jetto, Gorillas of Destiny, so it's Tonga Tonga Loa. Yep. Maku, Cody Hall. Ikulio, Taji Ishimori, which we know. Yep, Jado, Jeff Jarrett. Yep. <laughs> I forgot about Jeff Jarrett being an honorary member. Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, that was part of a storyline in Ring yeah. of Honor. Mephisto. Okay. Omega. Yep. Amber O'Neill. Yep, that's uh, Gallus's wife. Yep. Chase Owens. I think I've seen him Adam once. Page. Is what you Hangman. Yep. El Fantasmo. Yeah, he was a, actually a pretty good wrestler. Hold on. Not Phantasma, El Phantasmo. That's a different guy. Oh, I know who he is. He does commentary now. Yep. Where have I got? I gotta remember. Where have I seen his face? I mean, he's one of those guys who has a familiar face. Oh, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of uh, the actor, one of the actors from Die Hard. No. Oh. Uh oh. Um, there's Ray, Ray Buccaneiro, Cody and Brandy. Ray Buccaneiro is he? Is he from Tampa Bay? That'll be that'll be quite hilarious if he was. Um. No, he's from Mexico City. Oh gosh. They missed um, out. His 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 wrestling name from AAA was actually El Hijo de la Pareta Morgan. The son of Pirate Morgan? Yep. Huh. Weird. Okay, so who else is uh, on this list? He's the nephew of uh, Andre Bala. Interesting. He's a, CML, he's a CMLL. Uh, he wrestled uh, in WWF. Oh, wait. So this guy, he wrestled in freaking... WWF? Huh. WWF and TNA. Well, there's some food for thought. Oh, he's part of the Los Guerreros group. Which one? Uh, the Los Guerreros del Inferno. Del Inferno. Okay. And then he left that group and tagged with... Uh, El Terrible and uh, Tejano. El Terrible. 
I was about to say, you say El Terrible in Mexico, they won't know a, a they won't know what you're talking about. And then he worked with Shocker. Shocker, uh, my boy. And then he was uh, he worked with uh, Ultimo Guerrero. Guerrero, sorry. Uh, yep. And formed a successful tag team that was voted the best tag team of the decade, 2000 to 2009, from Wrestle Observer. There you go. He's held CMLL World Tag, NWA Historic Lightweight Champion, heavy, Lightweight Heavyweight Champion twice, CMLL World Light Heavyweight Champion, World Trios. Uh, he's also on the CLM, CMLL Torino Grand Alterna and the La Leyenda de Azul tournaments. Cool. So there's Marty, AJ, uh, Takahashi, El, uh, El Terrible, Dick Togo, Jay White, and Bucks. It's El Terrible. I like El Terrible. You like El Terrible? <laughs> we, we should come up with, we should go, there should be a new guy that faces him called El Horrible. <laughs> Okay, and speaking of, let's talk about A. Well, AEW wasn't horrible. Um, AEW. So we had a contract signing between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. John Moxley uh, didn't show because he got beat up in the back. This was after. Right, this congratulations was congratulations to to John. Yes, this was after he cut a pr- promo mentioning that his father was, you know, him him and his father they were the good guys. Get it? Because their last name is Good and Shoot. And in speaking of good news, um, he announced that his wife was pregnant. Woo-hoo. Yes. So we're going to have shield babies. The trio is complete. Yeah, you're right. I just now note, I'm like, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yes. 2021. Um, let's see. The Young Bucks taking on top flight. Two young lads from Minnesota. And these guys look really good against the Bucks. So hopefully we get to see more of them because I really liked what I saw. And I'm pretty sure Madam B would love that as well. Orange Cassie versus Kip Sabian was the weakest match on the card. It ended with Orange Cassie getting the mousetrap on him and win. And Rusev, who... <laughs> Rusev. Miro... Because I we all know him as Rusev, Miro jumped Orange Cassidy post match. Uh, we have to send it to post match as well. Right. We had the Blade taking on a returning Pac, and Pac looked really good in this match. And we all know Blade can wrestle, so this was a good showing. Eddie Kingston was um, he was commentating. After the match, you had the well, the butcher and the bunny were running interference throughout the match, and then you had Eddie Kingston jump in. Then you had Phoenix coming to the aid of Pac and him getting beat up by Eddie Kingston's crew. Then you had Pentagon with the chair. He was quite hesitant because Eddie Kingston was just daring him to hit Phoenix, but he went after Kingston. So the Triangulo de la Muerte. Trio is reunited once again. 
If you guys don't know what trio that is, it's the trio consisting of Penta, El Cero M, Ray Phoenix, and Pac. And then now you add in Kingston with it? Oof. Well, Kingston's not part of that. So it's a faction war between Kingston's posse and Pac's posse. Up next, we had the best match of the night, Serena D versus Thunder Rosa for the NWA Women's Championship. Now, Aaron Riff, shout-outs, by the way, um, brought up a good point, and so did Brian Zane. Is the AEW women's title getting overshadowed too much? Right now, yes. Uh, right now, no. But also, at the same time, yes. Because I feel like the NWA Women's Championships uh, matches have been much, much more superior than the AEW Women's Championship matches. But then again, though, that also shows the uh, the caliber of, ta- in the of talent. Oh, but not. The, the, oh, she's saying caliber is an Excalibur. <laughs> Excalibur. Oh, and speaking of which, uh, when Serena D won the title from Thunder Rosa, she went to a flight and faced uh, an up-and-comer. That up-and-comer's name was Layla Hirsch. So, food for thought, because we were trying to find out what her name was. In the main event... Okay, so it was Layla Hirsch. Yeah, Layla Hirsch. In the main event, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks taking on Cody Rhodes and Darby Allin. Uh, Taz is on commentary. Brian Cage won with Brian Cage won with a dri- with a freaking avalanche drill claw. Avalanche drill claw. Yeah, avalanche meaning you know jumping off the turnbuckle. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I'm just like that's an interesting combination. It is. We we've only I think he did it with Matt Seidel once. I might be wrong on that. So, let's see. You had you had freaking uh, Team FTW going after the the faces post match. Will Hobbs comes out with a chair to save the day once again, and then he holds up the FTW title. And as soon as Cody stands up, swerve. Will Hobbs hits Cody with the chair, turns heel, joins FTW. I mean, I'm sorry, we saw that coming literal mile away. Yeah, it was kind of predictable as time went on. I mean, he, he has a great excuse. You know, he hasn't been prominent on the card, so he can use that as an excuse. And, yes, but but cool. the thing is, though, there's not a lot of big guy baby faces. All the hosses are heels, besides Luchasaurus. Have you realized yeah. that? Yeah. It's weird, but it is. I but it, it but you know what? Congrats for AEW um on actually rebounding this week. Not to mention, uh, definitely going to be looking forward to John Moxley taking on Kenny Omega in AEW. Winter is coming, motherfucker. What happened? They need to get better uh, ideas and just like we're gonna call it winter is coming just because we're bored. <laughs> right? I don't know. AW Blizzard? I don't know. 
But that didn't stop him this week because AEW won in the viewership, 850,000.37 in the 18 to 49 demographic, uh, and finished seventh for the night on cable. NXT, which didn't chart in the top 50, it was 56th, was 638.14 for the in, in the 18 to 49 demographic. So AEW went up almost a hundred thousand. Well, I think it was mainly because of Moxley announcing he's going to be a daddy. Uh, I, or the segment that I forgot to mention, Inner Circle takes Inner Circle takes Las Vegas. Did you see this at all? They had it in two parts. The first part wasn't bad, but the second part was kind of hokey. I mean, Conan was in there, and they got the smoke from the limousine, so obviously they were puffing. And then the aftermath of the hangover when um, Jericho woke up in the bed with Elvis. Uh, Sammy Guevara was asleep in a fountain. Ortiz was working out. Santana was feeding or whatever. And, and Sammy Guevara actually got married three times. You had um, a baby hornswoggle. And I'm just like, you guys are doing way too much with this. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't mad about the segment. I just thought it got weird at the end. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so yes, Renee Young, congratulations, as well as John Moxley. So let's, so let's see. There's actually some more news on the viewership for AEW. Dave Meltzer noted that this week's AEW Dynamite opened with 975,000 viewers. Over half of that in the 18-49 demographic for the Young Bucks versus Top Flight match. That also could be Top Flight's indie fans. All the, all the contingent from Minnesota? Yeah. Hmm. And here's something interesting for you. AEW's main event drew 722,000 viewers. While the NXT Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley match drew 675. I mean, there's still, remember, there's still a lot of people that are uh, flustered with WWE as a whole. And speaking of WWE, WWE was sued by stockholders who felt the company misrepresented the nature of its business dealings in Saudi Arabia. $39 million lawsuit settlement. And this was filed for, this was on November 18th, and it's actually been settled out of court via a SEC filing. So if you want more information on that, just head over to nodq.com for your very latest. Shoutouts once again to Aaron T. Bar Rift and Jeff Meacham. So that was a pretty solid pre-show. We had a lot to talk about in terms of current events and wrestling.
But we're not going to stop there because in our main card, we are going to do our predictions, if you will, for Survivor Series 2020. Alrighty then, what time is it? Main card time. Alright, it is main card time. November 22nd, WWE will be producing Survivor Series at the Amway Center in the Thunderdome. And the tagline, best of the best, Undertaker's 30, Undertaker's final farewell. They have been hyping this up for a while. We will talk more about this in the main event. As of right now, we are going to re- uh, predict the matches. I almost said review, like we act like the, the um, like the event actually happened. So we have a dual brand battle royale participants to be announced. So we're going to skip that because it's on the pre-show. So question for you. Mr. Big Daddy. Yeah. What's the whole point of the Survivor Series elimination? What is the whole point of brand warfare now? Because people routinely get traded. And it's just like there's nothing on the line. Now if they had like a number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble for who, for whichever brand wins. Then I can see that, you know, as an, incent- I, as an incentive. You I, know what I mean? I like that idea. That would that would make uh, a that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know what came up with that idea? SmackDown versus Raw 2006 for the PlayStation 2. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shout out to GM mode. Uh, okay, so Team Raw comprised of AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and I'm just going to call him Matt Riddle because just calling him Riddle is stupid. Versus Team SmackDown of Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and Otis. That is a weird team. Um, I'm going to say it now. Um, I think Team SmackDown is going to win just because the way that they're set up. Right. But, again... The way you said it was there's nothing on the line. Exactly. Now maybe maybe with this with the Survivor series, maybe if the lone surviving brand, maybe they say, look, whoever is the brand's whoever wins whoever's the, the lone survivor, that brand headlines WrestleMania. That would be nice. Again with the whole Give them incentive, maybe then we'll draw us in. Exactly. Instead of oh, let's just have brand warfare for brag. Let's let's just have brand warfare for bragging rights and a T-shirt. Yeah, who the hell wants a freaking T-shirt? I it's survived. like it's like WWE's field day. <laughs> you know, the winner gets a participation trophy. What the heck? You get a participation. You get a participation. Everybody gets a participation. Ugh. Participation. Okay. So, another Survivor Series elimination match, this time for the women. Team Raw comprised of Nia Jax. Well, sorry, Nia Jax. Oh, and by the way, for my prediction, in terms of uh, men's Survivor Series, I agree with you on SmackDown. Raw is just too combobulated, and I think they're going to blow. 
possibly some shenanigans due to Braun Strowman turning on Styles. Braun Strowman, Braun Strowman. Yeah. So, Team Raw, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce versus Team SmackDown, Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Bailey, and Natalia or Tamina. So, I'm just going to say it. Team Raw is going to win. Shayna Baszler is just going to be wrecking fools. And Lana will be going through a table, but not by Nia Jax. It is going to be by... Um, Bianca Belair. <laughs> no, let's 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 say it right. Let's say it the way we want to. She's gonna go into a table because of herself. Yeah, she'll fly through the table this time. Well, uh, she'll be like Nero, I'm coming for you. Fly. <laughs> and then, and then some, somebody. Wait, make it even funnier. Somebody out there is going to put the da 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 <laughs> That was great. Or just put the, I believe I can fly, splat. No, we're going to stick to the gaming aspect. <laughs> okay, yeah. I th- okay, I agree with you on the Mario part. That is actually pretty funny. Or the, um, yoinks and away. You decide. <laughs> so, um, so we have a champion. So we have what four champion versus champion matches? United States champion Bobby Lashley taking on Intercontinental champion Sami Zayn. Care about this match? On three, one, two, three. Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley. I like this feud two years ago was terrible. So they're going to bring it back. Who cares? So champion versus champion tag team match. Raw tag team champions, the new day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods taking on the street profits, Angel Dawkins and Montez Ford, the SmackDown tag team champions. I see the smoke winning via shenanigans. No contest via shenanigans. Ooh. How so? Um, I have a feeling that... uh, um, A certain biggie is going to appear. No. No. Um, Ziggler and Rude. Team Rudolph. One, so I think Ziggler, I think Ziggler is going to attack one tag, and Rude's going to go after the other. Weird. Hit at the same time, making a double disqualification. So why would? So why? So what's the logic in that? Well, if you remember pre-draft, few are. Uh, Rude and Ziggler were the number one contenders for the Raw Tag Team titles. Oh, yeah, that's true. Against Street Profits. Well, after the draft, they never got their shot at the Street Profits. Hmm. So if that's the case, they should just attack the New Day. 
why not just attack both and say, screw you, we're the best tag team in WWE? Well, the tag team division could use a shot in the arm at this point. No, screw that. They need a full-on revival. Get the defibrillators. <laughs> <laughs> Clear! <laughs> so, champion versus champion singles match uh, for the uh, Asuka, the Raw Women's Champion, versus Sasha Banks, SmackDown Women's Champion. We've seen this before. So why do we care? Um, this is where I say, uh, I'm going to say that uh, Sasha Banks wins via DQ. I, uh, yeah, I see Bailey interfering somehow. Nope, I see her. I see a debuting Rhea Ripley. I see Sasha probably winning. And then Bailey attacks her, and then Rhea Ripley comes out and just destroys all three of them. And okay, I like that idea. And just have her as a free agent, have that sink in for a while where she appears on both brands. All three, you mean all three brands until after no, War well, Games? No, just both brands. Like, don't even. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, true. My bad. Or just not have her show up at NXT at all and just wreck havoc on Raw and SmackDown until she gets signed. Kind of like what Lars Sullivan did. True. So, the last match, the match that everybody's been waiting for, Drew McIntyre, Raw's WWE Champion versus SmackDown's Universal Champion, the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns. Drew McIntyre, I'm going to say it again, and uh, it's uh, shenanigans, Drew McIntyre via DQ. Roman Reigns wins. I think the Usos are going to take it to Drew. That's what I'm saying. Remember, though, the Usos attack Drew. It's an automatic DQ. Drew wins. Oh, I'm not talking about DQ. I'm talking about, like, them running, them running interference while the ref gets distracted by Paul Heyman. Oh, so you're thinking he wins via clean, uh, clean shenanigan? Yeah, screw job. Let's put it that okay. way. Screw you finish. Who would, who would come to Drew's defense in that though? That's the thing. That's the thing. He doesn't really have anybody except Sheamus. If you talked about if 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 any if um Raw is anything to go by because Sheamus actually gave Drew the sword in his entrance when he beat Randy Orton. So you think countrymen will come to help? Yeah, I mean they do have history. They worked in uh they worked in Europe together before they got signed by the E. True. So you can build that up. And for those who are wondering, just look at uh, the uh, Drew McIntyre 24 on WWE Network. Yes. Which was actually really informative. Definitely, man. The guy has had the guy's had a very uh, interesting road to recovery in terms of career. 
So that is our main card for this podcast, us doing our predictions for Survivor Series. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be a run-of-the-mill event with possibly a show stealer and a good match. I think there's going to be high spots, but no actual, like... Right. I think the main attraction, which, which is what we'll be talking about in our main event, the celebration of The Undertaker. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the main event of the evening. So, on a faithful Thanksgiving day, November 22nd, 1990. We had two major debuts. The gobbledygooker hatched out the egg. And Mean Gene Oakland, God rest his soul, was dancing around with it. And, uh, oh yeah, big dude in a trench coat came out. Representing yeah, the million the million dollar team. Some big ham hock. Uh, it was, it was the dream, it was the uh, million dollar team versus the dream team. Dream team consisted of Bret Hart. Dusty Rhodes, Coco Beware, and Jim Neidhart. And then the Million Dollar Team, you had the Honky Tonk Man, Greg Valentine, Ted DiBiase, and a man called The Undertaker. Remember, The Undertaker. Yes. Um, the guy known, the guy known around the, uh, the guy known in shoot as Mark Calloway. Mean Mark Calloway. If you're talk, cause um he had well we're talking about Undertaker. We're not talking about uh, we're not gonna go through Mark Calloway's career. We're just going strictly Undertaker. We're not talking about his WCW run. So in terms of the Undertaker, and you probably have a more of a visual history than I do, Big Daddy, being an Undertaker fan and all. Uh, when he, when did you see him come out and just describe to me what you thought back then as a kid? Just his, like, just describe what was going through your mind when you saw the Undertaker for the very first time. Um, like most of the kids in the 90s, I was scared shitless. Just because it's like, oh my god, this guy is a legitimate, like, seven-footer. And when he walks out in a trench coat and a non-curved cowboy hat, we're just like, um, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Has that Western taker look? Has that yeah, pretty much a Western dead man look, you know, which uh, actually suited him pretty well. And he had yeah, he had the trench coat and the non-brimmed hat with the um, the mortician gloves and the tie and just the whole gear, like it fit him pretty well. 
and he was just this silent killer, you know. He would roll his eyes from time to time, choke his, choke the people out in the ring, and his finisher, the Tombstone Pile Driver, which is lit- which is literally a uh, it's 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 a pile driver, but you flip the opponent around to where it's a belly to belly, and you land on your knees. Instead of your ass. I think it was their way of making it safer. Yes, agreed. Yeah, he had a pretty eventful run, including uh, his first WrestleMania win, defeating Jimmy Snuka. Yep. And, you know, just the train continued. I mean... If I can go, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, Big uh, big Daddy. I'm going to go through the list of Undertaker's victims at WrestleMania. WrestleMania 7, it was Jimmy Snuka. WrestleMania 8, it was Jake Roberts. WrestleMania 9, Giant Gonzalez. WrestleMania 10, he didn't participate. WrestleMania 11, King Kong Bundy. 12, Big Daddy Cool Diesel. 13, Sid Vicious. 14, Kane. 15, Big Boss Man. God rest him. WrestleMania 2000 did not participate. WrestleMania 17, Triple H. 18, Ric Flair. 19, Big Show and A-Train. 20, Kane once again. 21, Randy Orton. 22, Mark Henry. 23, Batista. 24, Edge, 25 and 26, Shawn Michaels, 27 and 28, Triple H, 29, CM Punk, 31, Bray Wyatt, 32, Shane McMahon, 34, John Cena, and 36, AJ Styles. Um, you're, you're forgetting I forg- 35. I'm for 30. 30, 35 I didn't participate. I'm for I'm I skipped over 30 and 33 because that's when he got beat. Okay. But yes, those are all of Taker's victims. Not to mention he won his first championship at um I think it was Survivor Series or this Tuesday in Texas, 1991. I think it was Tuesday in Texas. Because I remember them having the rematch when Hogan won, which was stupid. No, it was Survivor Series 1991. This Tuesday in Texas when he lost the title back to Hogan. Yeah, he won the title in 91 and lost it back in December, so... I want to say under two weeks, under two weeks, Hogan held the belt. I mean, uh, no, under two weeks, Taker held the belt, then he dropped it back to Hogan. And uh, that was Undertaker's last reign as champion for six years. Because I think his his second reign was when he defeated uh, Psycho Sid. So let's talk about some of the feuds that Undertaker has had over the years. Some of the most iconic 
and some of the most cringeworthy, especially in the mid-90s when he was facing off against people who just did not have it. Because Undertaker, yes, as a big man, I think he was one of the very rare breed because he was an athletic big man. Like, he can do drop kicks, he can jump over the rope. Like, the dude moved like a cruiserweight at some times. Yeah, he... He's the reason why today's big men aren't really big guys. They're more hybrids. When you when you when you have the likes of like Brian Cage, Brody, like Brian Cage, Luchasaurus, Brody Lee, Brody Lee, who are true hybrids. When it comes to wrestling yeah agreed so to me what comes to mind with okay let's let's uh, do our top three notable feuds for the undertaker my third one is the one with him and triple h i mean yeah it just happened you know wrestlemania through wrestlemania but i think honestly the feud they had leading up to WrestleMania 28, which I think was their best matched together, you know, the the end of an era match in the Hell in a Cell. It was some good stuff because you added in Shawn Michaels as a special ref. Because you already... that's what led it into. That's what led into, in my opinion, his second second best feud would be Shawn Michaels. Agreed. I do agree with you on Shawn Michaels. Because, well, fun fact, everybody. The feud between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels is what drawn me into wrestling. Because that was the first thing I saw. Because this was right after Bret Hart won the title for the fifth time at SummerSlam. Back in 97, so you had Shawn Michaels on the cusp of turning heel and forming DX, taking on Undertaker, and you had that Bad Blood pay-per-view when Kane showed up. Yeah. And then you had, you know, the Royal Rumble match, which Shawn Michaels took that terrible bump off the casket, and he was gone for years. But I think... In terms of match quality, you gotta give it to freaking 2009-2010 oh, era because those matches. I mean, you can get, to me. I think 25 is better, but 26 is still up there. You know, both those matches are great, and I would recommend them to anybody. And to me, I think my number one. Has to be him and mankind. Yes. Because series. Even bef- yeah, even before then, when they fought in the boiler room. Wow, that was a crazy match. You know, when when mankind first debuted and Paul Bear turned on Taker at to I think it was uh around SummerSlam through Survivor Series in '96, like they had tremendous brawls. And you we and obviously you talk about the Hell in a Cell match. I mean that's just iconic. 
Yeah, because I mean, you ask somebody who's not a wrestling fan that I guess let me rephrase that it's not a mark to describe one of their favorite sequences or favorite spots. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be the Kane or the Undertaker throwing mankind off the top of Hell in a Cell. Yep. So, in terms of... So, we talked about the good. Let's talk about the ugly. Because there are a lot of ugly feuds with Taker. So, Um, bottom three... Go ahead. Oh, that was my number one. You stole that. Yeah, Giant Gonzalez. That was bad. Like... I'm going in no particular order. Okay. But yeah, El Gigante could not move at all. Like, he was just immobile. He was worse than Great Khali, in my opinion. And your opinion is validated. Yeah. And I also got to say... I don't know what it is, but I wasn't a fan of Taker versus Punk, the feud. The match was great, but the feud. Because WWE has been known to exploit death. I mean, see Eddie Guerrero, Owen Hart, Jim Neidhart, Chris Benoit. Well, with the exception of Chris Benoit. And um, Paul Bearer. When you had Paul Heyman dressed as Paul Bearer coming out, and CM Punk has a promo with Paul, but presumably presumed to be Paul Bearer's ashes, and he drops it. To me, I think that was in poor taste. Beyond poor taste. So that wasn't my favorite few to watch, but the match was good. So if we had to agree on a number one, which would it be? Um, number one, honestly, Kane. You think it was disappointing? Yeah, because they, they could have done so much more. I think that was like the vice. To me, it was the vice versa of the CM Punk feud because the buildup was great. But the match failed to deliver. Yeah, it did. And if you got to pick one of the two, I think. Their first match was better, even though that one wasn't really that good either. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go into entrances because the Undertaker has a lot of them uh, over the course of a couple of years. I mean, it was kind of the same cadence, but he evolved. So when you talk about entrances with the Undertaker, and we're going like pyro, scenery, music. So are we talking individual? Yeah, why not? I, I mean, cause like, yeah, we'll do we'll do our individual top three. Okay, so single single ones. Yeah, no tag um, team single. Well, no, I'm saying like actual like one off entrances like. 
one of a kind entrances. Yeah, what ent- like uh, what Undertaker entrance stood out to you the most? Okay, so number three um, for me would be American Badass WrestleMania twenty. Um, are you getting that mixed up? Yes, I guess I am. WrestleMania 20 was the rebirth of the Dead Man Undertaker. Then yes, I am. Um, sorry, WrestleMania 2000. He wasn't in WrestleMania 2000. And what was the one that he was at? Echo Park? You mean... You mean Houston, Texas? No, not Texas. Was it Texas that he came out to Limp Bizkit? Oh, you're talking about WrestleMania 19. Yeah. Okay, yeah, WrestleMania 19. Uh, in, in, in Seattle. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. That was actually pretty cool to see Limp Bizkit play him live. Yeah. And then to come out on that custom... Dead Man Chopper. Yeah, that was awesome. Big Evil running wild. Oh, we could have put Hogan's feud with The Undertaker in this in 2002. Yeah, we could have. That was garbage. He took Hogan on a joyride on his motorcycle. It was like, he just, he tied his legs together and just drove him around the back lot. Maybe that's the reason why Hogan turned out the way he is. I don't know. Um, to me, it has to be. Oh, uh, jeez. It's gonna. Um, this is hard. Sorry. I'm gonna have to go with when Undertaker came out. Came out to "Ain't No Grave" by Johnny Cash. I think it was WrestleMania 27. I think it was 27. Because that, that, that was um, an iconic song. And he only used it for a short term. But I thought he could have used that for up to WrestleMania 30. Yeah, he could have used it till he lost. Yeah, that would have been great. Because that signified his... Because honestly... From 2007 to 2000, from 2007 to 2014, those were some of Undertaker's best matches. Agreed. All right, so number two. I would have to say his debut. All right. Number two. I'm going to go with him. Uh, jeez. Royal Rumble 2002, when he came out to Roland, uh, at the and this was like during the peak when he like turned heel. I want to say last month or two months ago, and the crowd popped in Atlanta. Okay, yeah, I know which 
So number one for you. Number one, just because it has a special place in my heart. I knew where you're going. Is uh, the WrestleMania in Orlando? Thirty-three. Yep. Thirty-three. Nice, nice pick. Number one for me, obviously, has to be the SummerSlam and what the either SummerSlam or Judgment Day 1998 entrance with. Undertaker walking through and the fire pyro goes off. Oh, yeah. And um, you had the Undertaker guitar rift entrance music. It's um, it's on WWF The Music Volume 3. It's, it's called Dark Side. It is, to me, the best Undertaker theme music ever. Like it worked so well, like the the car, like the that guitar riff was in was placed perfectly throughout the song. Like it just it was just great for the time. I would agree with you. If it wasn't for the emotional ties I have with my pick. Okay, what's your pick? My number one. Oh, yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, what was your favorite incarnation of Undertaker? Because he had a couple of incarnations. He had the um, pretty much the mortician servant, and then he became like... Because um, there appeared when he was just... Because you had the corporate ministry Undertaker... You had the Lord of Darkness, you had American Badass, you had Big Evil. You know, just, he evolved over time, which kept them fresh. Well, and that, 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 shows, that shows you the, the, the key to a character's longevity is the ability to adapt. So you got people who are in that same conversation you have people like john cena r-truth kane jericho who are able to evolve their characters throughout their decades plus of wrestling true that is indeed true to me my favorite incarnation of undertaker is big evil i actually like well, he's, it's one of my favorite incarnations. I do like Big Evil, uh, Undertaker. And when he revolted back to the Dead Man, I think that's my favorite because that's when he was having some of his best performances. Well, it's because he did his time as the Dead Man, as Big Evil, the American Badass. And it was time for the new generation to realize that there's only one dead man and his name is Undertaker. Yep, because I think it was just bringing back the dead man to a modern day audience. Yeah, like I think one of his best renditions of the new dead man would have to be the most recent set. 
where he started to um, uh, procreate, not procreate. Um, <laughs> Pro <laughs> procreate? Oh my gosh. Where he combined, uh, he combined his abilities with some of his original character, with the original, and then he threw in pieces from Dead Man. He threw pieces in from all of these, all of his incarnations into one. Yeah. So, are are you talking about the cinematic Undertaker? Some, yes, and then when he showed up at Raw and SmackDown as well. Yeah, because WrestleMania 36, when he came out on his bike, and oh, that, I teared up. I was like, you know, everybody was pop, everybody popped. I'm like, yes, American badass. I'm like, no, he's still the dead man. He's just a modern day it's version still, of him. It's something new. Yeah. I thought the same thing. You were there with us when we were watching. I'm like, oh my God, it's badass. And then I saw him. I'm like, wait, this is something completely different. Yeah, this is him all rolled in. This is American Badass, The Phenom, and Mark Calloway all rolled into one. Yeah. Like, to me, that, that was great. Even for a one-off, that was great because he was trash talking like he was the he was trash talking like he was American badass, and he was like doing uh, the the whole match. He was doing the magical power thing like he was the the dead man, you know. Yeah, like he was the Undertaker, and then he started just wailing away on you like he was just straight up the dead man. Yeah, so you're right. He had every hint of his um he had every hint of his former characters and blended in so well to a perfectly mixed blend. I just wish we could have seen it like 10 years ago. Right? But, you know, good things come to those that wait. Very true. Very true. And so guys, one thing I go ahead I will be I will be saying this I will probably be turning Survivor Series off when they get to that because I don't want to see it I know it's time and I know it has to happen but ladies and gentlemen this is literally the last of my childhood professional wrestlers that will be leaving his boots in the ring Come Sunday night. Yeah. Maybe. So for those of you who are wondering why we're we're doing all this discussion about the Undertaker and his special announcement, he put it up on Twitter. He said it was time. Sunday will literally be the death of the Undertaker. He three years ago he left his cape, his gloves, and his hat in the middle of the ring in Orlando. And now he's leaving his boots. Yep. I'm already getting choked up and it's still two days away. Yeah, it's just something that you're not prepared for, you know? I mean, as much as we want, as much as we've all been saying it's time, it's just now it's crap. It's actually happening. Yeah. It's, it's, the, um, it's the reality hitting you in the face. 
in the face. I mean, I mean, Frosty and myself could literally go on for hours about the history of why, in my humble opinion, The Undertaker is the greatest professional wrestler in the world. Oh, he's definitely on my Mount Rushmore. Best believe that. We could go on for days. Yes, we can. As much as we like to, uh, as much as we hark and badmouth WWE, that's the one thing that I think they got right from the start. That is true. That is indeed true. I mean, they they knocked the ball out the park with this gimmick, and very and very rarely have they messed it up. I think with Undertaker, as far as a character, I don't think they messed. I don't think they've ever messed it up with the character. That's true. Not to mention, um, with with the Undertaker, he's also a locker. He's also been a locker room leader, a mentor. Um, the judge of wrestlers court. And he wasn't a point like he didn't want. And what's funny is he openly said, I didn't want to be the judge. They just said, Hey, Taker, we need your help with something. And yeah. then it just stuck. Yeah. He was the general. I mean, you can listen to all the wrestlers who have ever worked with him. That regardless of, who you were, Batista, Triple H, any of them, they were the one, like, Taker was the one person that they would say, hey, I need your advice on something. I'm thinking about doing this. I've only been able to do it X, Y, Z. He'd say, yeah, go ahead and try it. And they would actually listen to him. That's the... Now, even, even Brock Lesnar has said that he's gone to Taker from time to time for advice. You can tell that Taker and Brock are pretty good friends. Cause the way the guys the way those two worked in the ring, the chemistry that those two had, and despite what you can despite what you say about Brock Lesnar currently, back then in his prime, Homeboy was a beast. You talking about hybrids like you talk about Brian Cage, we would not see Brian Cage had it not been for Brock Lesnar, hands down. I agree. I mean, but then again, I also don't think we would have Brock Lesnar without, without Taker. Taker. That's true. I think Taker was a big uh, po- a big proponent for Brock Lesnar. To become successful, you know. And um, Undertaker has pretty much put a lot of people on put a lot of people on the map, even with them not even winning, with just having good matches against them. See example Jeff Hardy. Oh. When he when Jeff dropped the WWE title to him? No, I'm talking about the they they've never faced for the belt, I don't think. 
I'm talking about the ladder match for the Undisputed Championship back in 2002. This was before Taker. Okay, I know which match you're talking about. Yeah, this was when Taker was the champ and Jeff Hardy was um going after was um constantly you know having that never say die attitude towards him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's and a uh, that's a. And I think one of the things that I admire the most about Undertaker was that in today's generation of calling matches, I guess on the fly. Yeah. He was one of the first people to actually do that and get away with it. Very true. Because the guy, the the writers and stuff in the back had so much faith in him of calling and making the right decision in the match that they said, okay, here's the pin. Here's who wins. You have 30 minutes go. And he would, most of the time he would stretch his matches out to that 30 something minute time mark or close to it. But he also recognized if he was injured or if his opponent was injured, he would end up just pretty much calling the match because, hey, I'm hurt. He's hurt. Let's finish this. Example, WrestleMania 30. Well, that was also part of Vince. Well, yeah, because that was also Vince McMahon's call as well. Because, and once again, say what you want to say about Vince, and you and there is every reason to hate Vince. You have every right to dislike Vince in terms of booking or how he handles his business. Vince and Undertaker have a very, very strong bond. Very. I mean, it was it was evident in. The Last Ride series, which I recommend anybody to watch. When Vince McMahon was asked the question about what does The Undertaker mean to him, he couldn't answer. Not because he refused, because he was in tears. In literal tears. Well, it's because he knows that without The Undertaker, there would be no WWE. I personally think that they would have lost to WCW because they didn't have any they didn't have any quote company guys like Sting. Yeah. Undertaker was the company man. And everybody knew it. I mean, let's face it, Um, WCW blew it when they chose not to use. Oh, they blew uh, it on a lot of chances. It's not just Undertaker. It was Steve. It was Austin. It was Austin. It was Triple H. 
Like they just, I mean, even Edge for a while, they just they just let a lot of up and comers go. So, so that pretty much uh, that is our own tribute to the Undertaker, as we just spent like about thirty minutes talking about the guy's career and his matches and his entrances and just talking about what he means to the WWE and you know it's going to be it's going to be a great celebration hopefully but it's all but the aftermath is where it really begins the realization that Undertaker is no more in terms of being active in the WWE which well, it's. I mean, yeah, I mean, they've been pre- they've been preparing for that ever since he has been on a much longer hiatus. But it's going to be official now, and we will see how the fans, especially the hardcore fans, and though to be themselves, are going to make that adjustment. All I can say is WWE better get their ta- their heads out of their tail. And when they're allowing fans back in, say, for, like, the Hall of Fames, that Taker needs to be in the first Hall of Fame with fans. I full-heartedly agree. Now, we've talked on this podcast, on numerous podcasts, about people who we feel are, quote, first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah. But there's, I think, in my in my opinion, I think there's only, you can only make a case for, say... I would say for two... I'll that, say, would be, that would be first ballot Hall of Famers and unanimous Hall of Famers. I would say two right now. Okay, so who's your other one? Undertaker and The Rock. If we're talking first ballot, if it what? I thought Rocky was already in. You would think, but he's not. Huh? Yeah. So those are the only two that I that I believe are first ballot. Well, I think that they're unanimous. You got other people like Triple H. Okay, unanimous. Triple H is in, but he's part of DX. But I'm pretty sure he'll be. I'm pretty sure he'll be a first ballot if he's if he's going on based on his singles career. That's what I'm saying. Singles career, he's a first ballot. Then you have Vader. People. Um, Big Van Vader. Don't forget him. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Vader should have been in years ago, but that's me. Well, I'm pretty sure as for the, uh, what is it, the Possumus? Yeah, but he'll, he'll, yeah, de- he'll definitely be in there. Um, because as now, top Gaijins, he transcended the business too. I think, yes, I think that he'll go into the, into the professional, the pro wrestling hall of fame. I just don't think that he'll get into the. I don't think as much as I want him to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. 
I can I can I can see I can see them bringing him in. Now, if we now if we do have now if we're putting in Undertaker in the Hall of Fame in the cl- in that particular class in terms of people who I don't think have been mentioned in the Hall of Fame yet, I would put in Taker, I would put in Vader, I would put in Victoria, I would put in I forgot what other tag team hasn't been mentioned yet. I mean, we. Uh, I'm talk. I'm talking about legend. I mean, you can go after the Quebecers and put them in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Why not? I mean, they were prominent in those in those tag teams with Heart Foundation, yeah, with Heart Foundation and Demolition and all them. So why not? Yeah, you're right. So if we're talking about, so I would put those people in for sure as the next Hall of Fame class. You're right, you're right. Because everybody has that statement to claim because Victoria was one of the best women's wrestlers in her day. And and they feel in a I'm on TikTok that she's not in Hall of Fame. Yeah, so she needs to be that next female in there. And if we are giving out any um, award any warrior awards. It's gotta go to JTG. Either that or Jim Johnston. Yeah, that's true. They probably have to give it to Jim because the musical composer for years for the WWE. I think they need to give it to him. I like how they did it with Sue last year. Yeah. So this year, I think I think they have to honor Jim in some way. Cause let's face it, man. After Jim, the the themes have been going kind of haywires. I mean, CFOs had a lot of hitting misses, but the new label, what is it, Death Death Level, Death Rebel, whatever their name is, they suck. <laughs> Rebels has some hits. Yeah, hits right across the face. Good grief. I mean, their hits are stiffer than Nia Jax. True. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. That concludes the drop down. Thank you for listening to us for roughly around the two-hour mark. Probably one of our shortest episodes yet. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, we will be... Jeez, uh, I forgot the outro to this. It's been so long. Three sweet? No, I got it. Let's do this formally. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in, and we will catch you next time we do this. That will be a three sweet. And we are out.